My name is Raina Rose Exelbeard, and I am the CEO, Chief Empowerment Officer of The Rose Grows. To all my friends out there, what's up? And for those of you, if this is your first episode, it's nice to meet you. We thank you for coming back, and we hope that you've been enjoying our various assorted guests as we've been discussing Palm Beach County and what makes it so important and such a great place to live. Today, I am so pleased to have with us a good friend and author. Raina is a Chief Empowerment Officer, and she is the CEO of Rose Grows, and for the last decade, she has worked as a motivational speaker using her personal story to share lessons of rejection, resilience, and working with people who are different. And Raina and I have bumped into each other on a number of occasions here in the county, especially at nonprofit uh, events. She is really very plugged into our community. Raina, thank you for being here today. What an amazing introduction. Thank you so much for having me, Robert. Well, you know, I, I've met you through uh, one of our mutual friends, Pam Polani, and I know at that point you were working to facilitate some of her activities, including the Alzheimer's Walk, and, you know, it was clear that you are someone with a lot of energy and a lot of excitement for our community. And I was more interested after I learned that you're actually an accomplished author. Tell me a little bit about that. How did that come about? Yeah, so they say that the best things happen uh, on on accident. Mm. Uh, I like to tell people, you know, my birth was also unexpected. Um, so good things come in small packages. Mm-hmm. Yay for uh, being the youngest in my family. Um, it's funny, I always thought I was a really bad writer because I wasn't so confident with my grammar and... I went to a very like academically challenged, challenging high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but in college, when I started getting involved with Israel advocacy and I started traveling, when I would write Facebook posts about my different experiences and connections I would make, um, first of all, when I would write those Facebook statuses, I would put them in the like shortest sentences so mm-hmm. that I could be confident and that what I was putting out there was, you know, grammatically correct. Sure. Um, but through that, I kind of developed a very like to the point writing style and through college, everybody would always say to me, you know, we love, we love what you write. We love what you put out there. And the story behind this book, um, unfortunately a couple of years ago, my father passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that happened, um, I, in my journal, I wrote a poem about some of the things that he had taught me. Mm-hmm. I always like to tell people, journal when you're happy or when you're sad. Right. Because our emotions really filter our words. And honestly, I forgot about the poem. But when COVID hit and I got all sad again, I pulled out my old journal and I found that poem. And I finished the poem. And when it was completed, I looked at it. I said, you know, I think this could be a book. And I reached out to a childhood friend that I hadn't seen since elementary school. And I said, Allie, I know this is so random, but you were always such a good doodler when we were growing up. I wrote this poem about my dad. Would you ever be interested in illustrating it into a book? Mm -hmm. And Allie goes, oh my God, Raina, I've always wanted to do that. I'll help you. And when Allie said, yes, Robert, 
My late father's name was Alan. Mm -hmm. And in the South, a lot of times girls have boy names and Allie is actually short for Alan. Uh -huh. So when I made that association, I took that as, a, as an affirmation. I took that as a coincidence or for some people, I took that as a sign from God that whatever you need to do to take this page into your journal and to make it into a book, figure it out. And here we are two years later, I'm in over 10 different countries and now I have the opportunity to inspire elementary school students as a part of my work. So tell me about this first book that you wrote. That's the girl who said hell to everyone. <laughs> hello. 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 to okay. everyone. Hello to everyone. Excuse me. Yeah. So tell me, and the book is sitting here in front of me, and of course, Raina is popping out of, this, of the O, so I didn't even notice it. So- <laughs> Tell me about the girl who said hello to everyone. What is that? Is that a self-portrait? Yeah. So everything that I write about is real life experiences. Mm -hmm. um, as an artist, you know, you can draw inspiration from all sorts of places. Um, and the whole idea is reinforcing the themes of kindness, conversation, and resilience. And so like, this is actually my house that I grew up in in Tennessee. This is my mother's maiden name because she grew up in the house that I grew up in. And just for the, the benefit of our listeners, of course, since they're not uh, actually able to see what I am, which is the book and the beautiful illustrations, there's a picture of Rain as a little child next to her dad with the, the post office uh, worker dropping off the mail at their home. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing too, I'll share about the book is, you know, in this illustration, uh, my elderly neighbor, Mrs. Carter, I have such vivid memories when I was little playing in her yard. I shamefully will admit even maybe picking flowers out of her yard and ringing the doorbell and <laughs> trying to sell her a bouquet. Um, but I'll never forget when she saw the, the, the book for the first time, she called me Rob and she said, um, I'm one of 10 children. I'm one of seven girls. I'm right in the middle. She goes, I never felt special in my entire life. She goes, but by golly punch, when I saw myself in your book. And I said, you know, Miss Carter, you just, you don't see yourself the way that the world sees you. And, you know, the other big thing from the book is some of the people I'm, you know, I may not be like in touch with anymore. Mm -hmm. And it just goes to show that even in our own lives, even if you're, you know, not hanging out with someone or, you know, not frequenting the same store doesn't mean that you can't acknowledge the light and the, and the impact that they brought to your life when you guys were, you know, together. What were you trying to bring out with this book? What is the, the lesson that you're trying to bring? Because obviously this is something that your, your audience is a young adults. Mm -hmm. What are you trying to bring to them? The biggest thing is just never forget that you're one hello away from new friends and adventures. Mm -hmm. And a part of being a good leader is asking really, really good questions and listening. And they have to be questions that you're going to be interested in the information that the other person is going to share. So tell me, tell me about the, the idea of publishing a book. I mean, we all have ideas in our head. And like you said, and we have journals, we, we write stories, we write little notes to ourselves. Tell me about being able to distill that down into something that you've published. Yeah, I would say something that's really unique about 2022 and the world that we're living in today 
is, you know, many of the musicians today who are very successful, they're not signed by a record label because with the internet, you have the ability to create your art and put it out there. So, um, so you're talking about self-publishing. Yeah. So for, you know, for me, um, I do have a community of people who follow me online, mm-hmm. but as I've been going through this journey, I can say that there's no greater reward as an author than when somebody else says that they see themselves in the book or they see their story or their child is also someone who says hello to everyone. Um, and you know, when it came to like, whether I would want to go with like an agent and go to a publisher versus like putting it out in the world myself, I kind of just felt like, you know, if I can figure out where to print the book and I know how to market the book, nobody's going to sell my story. No one's going to share my story with the world with more intention than, than I am. And you're a public speaker. So you're, you're, it's easy for you to get out in front of people and, and present a story or present an idea. I know that you've, you've been out amongst hundreds of people, thousands of people. Tell me what kind of a reaction you've gotten as you've been out on your book tour. Yeah. Um, the biggest surprise for me is I've been working with teenagers for the last decade. I'm so passionate about helping young people do that first big thing. But is what's been really spectacular and surprising is being able to go into the elementary schools. Once they see me talk about the book, the schools are usually interested in bringing me back. Mm-hmm. So some of these other topics that are a lot more serious, like the Holocaust and goal setting, if you would have told me 10 years ago that fifth grade and fourth grade would be inviting me in to talk about some of those things, I think what really differentiates me as a speaker is authentically sharing, you know, my history and my story in a way that it's not it's not about believing in and what I believe in, but just recognizing that every single person in this world has skills and gifts mm-hmm. and everybody has causes that they care about and if we can apply our skills and gifts towards a greater goal or a cause, number one, when we do what we're good at, it makes us feel good. But when we can see how those efforts make the world a better place, it truly builds a lot of confidence. So, Well, we're going to talk a little bit later about your work with Shine a Light, but I'd want to continue on with your your children book and and what you've been doing with that. So the the girl who said hello to everyone, that was your first book. What Mm -hmm. have you done since then? Yeah, I'm so glad that you asked that. Um, I'm in the middle of the second launch of my new book, The Girl Who Wore Two Different Shoes. I was watching a video of you and I saw that you were in front of a large group of students and there you were with two different colored shoes on. So (laughs) obviously this is something that you, you like to practice. Yeah, and just like showing that, first of all, sometimes when we, when we bring different people or different things together, um, what we have is even more beautiful or, or stronger than what existed before. Um, and just recognizing that when we are authentic and when we own what's different about us, we can actually create even stronger bonds with people who couldn't be any more different than us. So tell me, what's the name of that second book that you've got out? The Girl Who Wore Two Different Shoes. And tell me, what is it about that book that's, that is self-portrait of Raina? 
Yeah, so the girl who said hello to everyone really teaches the reader how to start the conversation, mm-hmm. but the girl who wore two different shoes teaches the reader how to create situations where you know people approach you. Are we dealing with the differences between people or are we dealing more with the, the commonality of people? I think it's both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we live in a world that sometimes is so divided when it comes to issues, but one of the things I like to reinforce with the kids is if we can celebrate our differences, not just in our identities, but also in our in our skill sets, both of my books are truly a celebration of what can happen when when people come together with their different backgrounds and their different skills, because together we can create something um, that's impactful. So you grew up in Tennessee, from what I understand, and obviously South Florida was a new place for you. Tell me, is that something that you're trying to present within the book, that that transition that from one neighborhood in Tennessee to another neighborhood in Delray Beach? Yeah, and I will always be a proud Memphian um, and love telling people that that that's where I, I grew up but I'm also extremely proud to be a resident of Palm Beach County since 2010. Um, and I really kind of like to think of myself as a unofficial ambassador for Delray Beach. Well, you certainly are an ambassador. And as like I said, I know that you're very involved in a lot of our nonprofits. You've been out there being a, a goodwill ambassador in many ways. What are some of the other activities here in, in Boca Raton in South Florida that have really gotten your attention? Yeah, um, I'm, I've been doing a lot of work with Holocaust survivors as long as I've been in South Florida. Um, that's like one of my favorite things about living down here. Um, that's actually how I met uh, our mutual friend Pam Polani was because um, some Holocaust survivor friends needed a ride to, to a program. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of the Holocaust, um, we're right now where we're recording, we're right next to the Unicorn Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who are listening who, who aren't familiar with Unicorn, um, they're, they're working with children who, have, who are neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that, they're, they're training these young people how to, how to apply for jobs and, and how to communicate with people in the world so that they can understand um, where, you know, where that young adult is coming from. And after working in the nonprofit world for four years, once I started branching out on my own through the Rose Grows, getting involved with Unicorn, getting involved uh, with SOS uh, Children's Villages, mm-hmm. which also too, for those who are listening, um, these are children who come from foster care, who... Um, many of them come from really, really hard family situations and SOS really does a lot for the kids to not only make them feel like they're, you know, living in a, in a home, uh, with, with, uh, with a parent situation, um, but also taking them out for activities, taking them to Disney world, buying them basketball shoes, little things that we take for granted. So I'll say like the, the big, the biggest thing with my advocacy worked outside of Judaism and outside of female empowerment is after I got out of the nonprofit world, I really realized that not every young person has the same access to mentors. Mm -hmm. Not every young person, um, you know, grows up in a faith or in a community where um, they have a lot of leadership experiences. And so I'll say through my work in Palm Beach County, I've really learned that every child deserves the world 
Um, and I have to be very intentional as I grow in my career and being inclusive of all those different communities. So tell me, what is the mission of the Rose Grows? Tell me, what, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? So the mission is when one grows, we all grow. This idea that um, through supporting others, um, not only can we you know, support ourselves, um, but together we can make the world a much better place, one conversation at a time. So I, I, as I was reading your bio, I noticed that uh, you make a mention of the fact that you're the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors. And this is obviously bleeding into your work as far as the, your life experience. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it really came from my late father, his example. Mm -hmm. um, my father used to serve on this Tennessee State Holocaust Commission. My grandfather um, back in the day helped actually organize um, the first ever Holocaust commemorative event in Memphis, Tennessee, mm -hmm. which I have to say growing up in a Southern Jewish community, when I moved to South Florida, there's so many Jewish people who live all over Florida that I never realized in Memphis what a gift it was that even though the Jewish community was only 10,000 people, um, we were very united. And especially when it came to Holocaust education, you see where all the different rabbis and the different branches of Judaism work together. Um, my grandparents were much older than me, so I never got the opportunity to ask them like questions, you know, about their experience. Well, most Holocaust survivors don't really want to open up about that. So it probably would not even have been something that they would be wanting to talk to you about. True. But you had a personal experience with anti-Semitism where I guess uh, someone had posted on your on your dorm door, a, a mock eviction notice. Tell me how that impacted you. Yeah, so imagine it's Friday night. I just finished my Shabbat dinner at Hillel of Broward in Palm Beach County. Shout out to my, uh, to my Hillel family. Mm -hmm. And make sure you sign up for I Am Hillel in February. Um, but, um, oh my gosh, I just lost my... Uh, this was the, the notice that was on. Oh, the right. Door. So I just finished Shabbat dinner at Hillel and I come to my, my dorm and it's probably eight o'clock at night and there's an eviction notice. And I truthfully thought my mom like didn't pay my tuition bill. Like I thought it was like a clerical thing. Right. But as I began to read the eviction notice, it basically said that Israel kicks people out of their home for no reason that my dorm was scheduled for demolition on Monday and to get out. So this was while you were at FAU? Yeah, this was my, the, my freshman year at FAU. Okay, and there was certainly quite a, uh, a reaction from the community over this kind of a, a response as far as the anti-Semitic uh, action that was taken. Did you feel, again, that kind of hate before this notice was put up on your door? I knew that there were students on campus who like weren't supportive of Israel. Mm -hmm. um, but these, these students who bullied me throughout college, um, they would post my pictures online and write things about me. Um, I would hear comments that they would say about me behind my back to, to other student leaders, not even recognizing me as a human being, like actually like calling me a, a spider monkey. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I knew that that hate 
like had existed. To be honest, like what really hurt me in college was, I think this was also my freshman year. I like to tell people the mind is like a parachute. Mm -hmm. It only works best if it's like completely open. And I used to go to all the anti-Israel students events on campus because it was important for me to like see who they were bringing in and what they were discussing. And I remember once they had a video um, screening and I sat next to this boy from Haiti and we had this amazing conversation about how Israel had built field hospitals when they had their recent disaster and how Haiti was like the last country to vote Israel in at the UN. Then the anti-Israel group, the bullies, they show this film the boy says, you know, if if I were alive at the time, like it would have been different. Then when they called on me to speak, right? Mm -hmm. I raised my hand. It wasn't like I just blurted out or started a, a protest in their event. Um, I said, and every generation, there's been a major persecution of Jews. And before I could get to the next syllable in my sentence, the boy who was sitting next to me from Haiti out loud, he says, I wonder why. Mm -hmm. And like over a hundred students started laughing at me. And as the youngest, it's the first time in my life I've ever been told to like be quiet. And I, you know, actually like listened. Mm -hmm. um, and I held in my tears, but when I left, I was devastated because this was the first time in my life I had actually experienced blatant anti-Semitism because the eviction notice was about Israel. A lot of the things that they were doing before were about Israel and about Zionism. But in that moment, it was about me being a Jew and every other Jew in, 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 in the world. And it's, it's crazy growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, you would think in the South, certainly you would have experienced, you know, some sort of racism or discrimination. I just, never imagined as the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors, as a paying member, you know, of a public university, that, that that could happen. But it just reinforces that even in communities that have the largest Jewish populations, we still have a lot of work and education that needs to be done. And certainly that brings us, I guess, to shine a light and tell me a little bit about that and how that is a attempting to address that very subject. Yeah, so through the Jewish Federation of North America, they created this incredible initiative called Shine a Light on Anti-Semitism, mm -hmm. where it's working through five different pillars to basically raise awareness to anti-Semitism and to those who don't recognize the existence of Israel. Um, they're doing it through education. That's very much where, where I'm involved in that pillar. Mm -hmm. There's also a, a policy pillar, partnerships, a big diversity um, and inclusion uh, section, and also working with the media um, and different communications. So there's going to be uh, billboards, TV commercials all through the month of December, um, specifically really the the week of Hanukkah, this idea that it only takes one voice. It only takes one light to dispel darkness. And if we can inspire more conversations in these different pillars that I shared before, then through that, um, we can really combat anti-Semitism. So as I understand it, Shine a Light has uh, basically a coalition of about 65 Jewish and non-Jewish organizations. 
and they have given you a grant yes. so that you can now go forward with this program. And I guess you're going back to your roots in Tennessee and also here in Florida, and you're going to be making these presentations. Tell me a little bit about what you're presenting and what your expectation is as, as you put this out there. Yeah, so I was approached to apply for the grant because over the last decade, I've become really skilled at sharing my story and educating audiences who aren't Jewish about anti-Semitism and about Israel and about Zionism. So originally when I was approached to apply for the grant, because I work with so many different audiences, it was important to me um, under the grant to, to do something special for elementary school, to do something special for middle school, high school, college. So this Friday, um, I'll be crashing six U.S. history classes, doing a workshop all about um, anti-Semitism, leadership, um, and really how to find you know unity in our diversity. Um, on Tuesday, I'm very excited. I'm going to be flying to Gainesville to the University of Florida. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be speaking in the business school to their honor council. Um, there's over 30 different business organizations, student organizations, and all the boards of those clubs will be in attendance to my meeting. Um, it's going to be a personal and professional development workshop, also dealing on uh, breaking stereotypes and really too how to build relationships with people who are different than you, because not only is this a skill that you need in college in order to have successful programs, but also when it comes to like graduation time and making deals in the world, um, it's, it's something that's really going to, um, make these, make these students have an edge. Um, and then next Friday, I'm very, very, very excited. Um, my illustrator, Alan and I are going to be going back to our former elementary school for the first time. Um, and this is why grants are so important because mm -hmm. for the last three years, I've really, really wanted to speak at my elementary school. Um, but unfortunately not, not all schools have budgets right. to bring in speakers. But as soon as I told them that I had this grant, um, not only did they say, you know, you can definitely come, but it just so happened that the students there are going to be completing a, um, a unit on understanding differences. Mm -hmm. So thanks to shine a light, um, we're going to have the opportunity to really celebrate and inspire these students, um, not to, not to bully each other and really the importance of how through being kind, um, this is something we should be celebrating, you know, all year round and just recognizing that not every, not all your classmates have presence that they're going home to. Well, it seems to me that this is probably the opportunity for a third book uh, dealing with, again, differences, whether it's anti-Semitism or whether it's differences of the way people look mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, addressing that from a, uh, a child's perspective and also being able to deal with it on a level, like you said, when you go to UF and, and talk to uh, college uh, students. Right. And, and again, too, with the college students, you know, again, thank God for the grant, because as a student organization, um, you know, they're responsible for planning diversity and inclusion programs for their students the whole year, but they're only operating on a $300 programming budget. 
So you're going to be involved also in this global Shabbat dinner. Tell me how that's going to work out. Who's sponsoring that? Yeah, so this is the the, the last stop on the tour through Shine a Light. Mm-hmm. I myself was very involved with BBYO as a Jewish teenager. What's BBYO stand for? B'nai Birth Youth Organization. Mm-hmm. And it's all about teaching young people um, how to be leaders So um, learning how to fundraise, learning how to organize events. And when I was in high school, I ran for a lot of leadership positions in BBYO. Mm -hmm. I lost most of them, (laughs) but um, as, as, as you certainly know, I'm sure every organization needs to have active members. So through not giving up and staying involved, I was able to learn skills and have experiences that not only like changed, you know, the, the, the course of my life, but gave me the ability to walk onto my college campus already knowing how to be a leader and then giving me the opportunity when I graduate to, you know, have a whole host of jobs to choose from. You know, the, I think the common element of everything we've been discussing here is the fact that you're a storyteller. And, you know, the, the books that you've written and the lectures you've given and the presentations you're making are all geared towards bringing a message forward in a, in a way that people can absorb it and accept it. Totally. I, I like to tell people to understand each other doesn't mean that we have to agree. Mm-hmm. You know, we just conversation over cancel. Right. It, it's one of the biggest things I learned when I jumped from nonprofit world to running my own company. I used to think if someone was an anti-Semite, we need to put their picture all over the internet and everybody needs to know the terrible things that this person said. But Working with over, you know, working with so many kids over the over the years, I realized that a lot of times, especially with young people, when they're saying something anti-Semitic, a lot of times they don't have a Jewish friend. They've never met a Holocaust survivor. They think that they're being funny or they think that they're, you know, they, they don't have the context to know of what they're saying is offensive. Mm-hmm. So that's why I really want to emphasize to people who are listening is, you know, your, your first objective should be to have a conversation with somebody and really see where they're coming from before you assume that they're coming from a bad place. Because when I was in college, those students were coming from a bad place. They knew exactly what they were doing. But for the most part, most people in the world are coming from a place of love. Most people don't want to be a bigot. Most people don't want to say something to offend you. But it's up to us to be the leader and to shine a light in those conversations and say, you know, hey, like, it's it's really not nice when you say that. So tell me how someone could learn a little bit more about Shine a Light and about your activities there. Yeah, so first and foremost, you can go to shinealighton.com. Um, we're looking, first of all, for individuals to participate in the social media campaign and say that they stand against anti-Semitism. We have a beautiful picture that goes with that. We also have a statement for different corporations and companies who would also like to to make a statement against Mm anti-Semitism, in addition to providing a ton of different resources for educators and different business professionals to be able to to share this information in in their offices. And let's come back to where we started the original discussions today, back to your children's books. Tell me a little bit about how people you've self-published. Are those books now available online or how do they get a hold of a copy? Yeah, so if you go to the girl who said hello to everyone.com, both books are available for sale. 
As I mentioned earlier, we are in the middle of the launch of my second book. Mm-hmm. What's really, really cool is, um, so the first book, I ran a Kickstarter to raise all the money in order to to print the book. We had 250 people who participated in that campaign. Mm-hmm. And the book was already completed. This time around, the story is complete, but the illustrations aren't going to start until January. So as people pre-order the book, there's different options where people can pay to have their Siggy or to have their pet illustrated into the book. Maybe a grandchild or someone that they lost that they that they love and they want to honor. Um, and I'm also really proud to share too that people have the ability to sponsor a talk. And I'm really, really, really grateful to the anonymous uh, donors who have supported that uh, that level. Well, this sounds pretty exciting. I'm sure there's some grandparents out there that would love to see their children, grandchildren, or pets being immortalized in one of your next books. So again, how do they reach out to you so that they can have that conversation? Yeah. So first check out the girl who said hello to everyone.com for my books. Mm -hmm. And then the Rose Grows. I'm pretty active on on every social media channel. Mm -hmm. I wanna say I have a little over 20,000 followers combined on uh, all my my platforms. Um, And if you're not on social media and you'd like to reach out directly by email, Raina, R-A-Y-N-A, at therosegrows.com. Well, that's wonderful. Well. I appreciate you taking the time out today to tell us a little bit about your activities in these books and, of course, your activities as they're going to be going forward with Shine a Light. And we certainly uh, appreciate everything you're doing, both for the children and for the young adults, to make sure that they appreciate our differences. I thank you, everybody, for listening today. This has been Palm Beach County Perspective, and we'll look forward to seeing you or hearing from us another time, probably next week. Have a great day.